0: bear in mind, child of God, that last Sunday, the 6th of September, um, I brought a message titled Take heed how you build. And I established through my communication that it is because the Lord spoke to me immediately after our times of refreshing at the end of August 29 August that all that we have done in the last three years as a ministry International Prayer Resort Ministries has been the foundation for this ministry. Now you may wonder why do you have to take three years to build a foundation? We can just oppose that's to what Jesus Christ did with his disciples. He spent three years or almost three and a half years with his disciples and taught them wonderful things. And when he left them, what he taught them became the foundation upon which the church is still standing till today. As a local assembly, we have a vision. The vision is to be with Christ for eternity. What a wonderful vision. Because there is nothing greater than being with Christ for eternity. And we also have a mission, or we are embarking on a mission to fulfill this vision. And our mission is to help this generation, the 21st century generation, walk with God and prepare a people ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ or our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, we needed to build a certain foundation for that kind of vision and mission. So, all that have been done in the last three years, beginning from 2nd September 2017, which was our first Saturday prayer breakfast, to 17th September 2017, which was our first Sunday service till today, has been the foundation, so to speak. And the Lord also mentioned to me, after our times of refreshing, our third times of refreshing, that every material needed for the building is in the foundation. And that is the greater part of what, you know, I mean, what God wants to do with this ministry. Because it means that we wouldn't struggle at all. All you need to do is to go into the foundation, dig deep into the foundation find the resources, the material in the foundation and use that same foundation material to build. And the Lord showed me the next four years. I cannot give the details on air, but I can foresee and see ahead by the grace of God that the next four years, beginning from 2021 into 2022, 2023 and 2024, if Jesus tarries is. It's a face of glory. Is a face of dignity. Is a face of honor. It's a face of outdooring of the good things that God has begun with this ministry three years down the line. Now, having said that, the message, take heed, how you're built, came in because, for instance, what I'm going to share today is Let's say the beginning of the building on the foundation that we have laid. And you will discover from my message today that everything I am saying today has already been said in the last three years. And that is an example God wants to give to everybody who will be a part of building as far as the vision. the mission of international prayer resort ministries is concerned. Everything I'm going to say is only an extrapolation or an emphasis on what has already been said. Apostle Peter wrote to the church and said that for me to write the same thing to you, it's not grievous. He said it is profitable to you. So for the same thing to be repeated, it is not grievous at all. It is not a burden. I believe you're going to be blessed now because because already what we're going to be sharing in the next number of years is available the lord gave me the scriptures as you use today i had a lot of scriptures but if you would discover for the first time for the first time since three years i never give out a topic or a theme or a title to my message. Nobody ever saw a flyer. For the, since this ministry started, I've always shared the messages ahead, But I didn't know how to title it. But I knew what God wanted me to share. And in fact, I had a lot of scriptures. So I was just going to communicate the message as the Lord gave me. And possibly, if I got a title, fine. If not, I'll just share my message. Then, at dawn this morning, I woke up and I started meditating on the scriptures whilst meditating then I heard clearly don't perpetrate what is abolished I said wow this is the title so I bring you a message titled don't perpetrate what is abolished and we'll find out from scripture what is abolished and then why we should not perpetrate what is abolished In the first place, the word perpetrate... The moment I heard that, I quickly just typed, you know, Google perpetrate to find the meaning. I can read it to you. To perpetrate, as I found in the English dictionary, is to carry out or commit a harmful, illegal, or immoral action. Let me say that again. To perpetrate is to carry out or commit a harmful illegal or immoral action. And so if God says don't perpetrate what is abolished, we'll find out what is abolished. In fact, to abolish means to formally put an end to something. So we're going to find out what God has formally put an end to and which he does not want you and me to perpetrate or to carry out. To execute it. Whilst he says it's abolished, don't perpetrate it. You will also discover in the course of the service that part of the scriptures God gave me, I'll give them out but they may not fit into today's message because when I ask the Lord that okay, if we are not supposed to perpetrate what is abolished, what are we supposed to do? Then from the scripture I'm going to read very soon, he said it means promote life and immortality. So we are not supposed to perpetrate what is abolished, but we are supposed to promote life and immortality. And all these things I'm going to share have been shared in the last three years, but they are for emphasis because we are building from this day forward. Take note in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So turn your Bibles with me first and foremost to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'll read verses 8 through 10. 2 Timothy 1 8 through 10. Apostle Paul writing to his son Timothy says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 9. Who who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Verse 10. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Will you say amen to that? These are powerful verses of scripture. We have shared these things in part in the last three years but the Lord is giving emphasis here Apostle Paul writes and says that don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us are ashamed to preach the gospel. Remember, he is the same person who wrote in Romans 1.16. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. First, for the Jew and then for the Gentile. So when he says, Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. He was then in prison. He was telling his son, Timothy, Don't be ashamed, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. Listen, in preaching the gospel, there are sufferings that go with it. And yet, there's also grace and honor that go with it. Don't suffer for suffering's sake. But if you are suffering for the sake of the gospel, it's not in vain. It has its reward share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of god who has saved us and called us with a holy calling did you hear that our calling is a holy calling because we are separated from the rest of the world we are in this world yet we are not of this world it is true that we look the same on the outside like the rest of the world but we are different we are we are wired differently on the inside born of god filled with the spirit who has saved us and called us with a holy calling he has separated us to to holy means separate not according to our works take note of that not because we did some good works not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in christ jesus take note, before time began. Meaning that God had something in mind even before time began. The King James Version says, before the world began. Ever before the world began, God had something in mind. What is that thing? It's in verse 10. But has now revealed, but now, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. So when Jesus Christ came, something has been revealed. What is it? Who has abolished death so if we say to abolish means to to abolish means what? to formally put an end to so if Jesus Christ has abolished death it means he has formally put an end to death please listen to my communication today because something is going to be communicated not just to IPR ministries members alone but to the rest of the body of Christ take note who has abolished death and has brought he, said he has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel that will be another subject next week which the Lord gave me the title promote life and immortality but don't perpetrate what has been abolished or what is abolished don't carry it out. Don't preach it. Okay, let me read some things I wrote down here after the Lord gave me the title. I said, Death has been operating illegally. If we say Jesus Christ has abolished death, and we say abolish means to formally put an end to, then it means that death has been operating illegally ever since Christ abolished death. You agree those who have died and those who will die are innocent victims of an illegality I wrote down exactly what I heard I said those who have died and those who will die are innocent victims of an illegality it's not because everybody must die and should die it's because The one who has been abolished is still operating illegally and many have become innocent victims of death and many will still become innocent victims of death Then I said here, for instance, the slave trade has been abolished Those who read history, you know that once upon a time the Europeans will come and carry people from Africa human beings were traded and then they will be sold to the western market. The slave trade has been abolished, yet some people still fall victims to slave trade even in this 21st century. Those who fall victims are innocent because the perpetrators of slave trade are doing so or they do so illegally. Are you getting the point? Then I said, likewise, death is abolished. Those who have died and will die are innocent victims of death because death is operating illegally. If we say, Jesus Christ, I want you to take note, when you are reading scripture, take note of the tenses. He didn't say, who will abolish death? He says, who has abolished death? In other words, he has brought death formally to an end. When Jesus Christ carried my sin and your sin, When he died, my death and your death, and went to hell in my name and in your name, that was our separation. Death means separation. He died physically and then died, in fact, he died spiritually first because when he carried my sin and your sin, he died spiritually. So he was separated from the father and therefore he died physically. And when he died physically... He was to be eternally separated from the Father by spending the rest of his existence in hell and from hell to the everlasting fire. But because he didn't know sin of his own, it was not his personal sin, his blood was not stained with sin. And his blood was that efficacious to wash the sin nature from his spirit, which he carried into his spirit. And so what he did as a substitute for man, he did it on our behalf. He saved the whole world through his vicarious death. And anybody who hears this and believes should confess that then he is my Lord, he is my savior. And automatically you are born from death into life. Jesus Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. He has, he is not going to. That is the reason why Scripture refers to death as an enemy. I can read it if it's in First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 25 and 26. First Corinthians 15, 25 and 26 tells us that death is an enemy. Death is not God's tool. Next week, Sunday, when I share the other scriptures which will come under the title Promote Life and Immortality, you will discover that God's method of taking us from this earth to heaven is not death until christ came death was reigning death was in charge because the wages of sin is death so death had the upper hand because sin had entered man's world but here comes the last adam who carried my sin and your sin and paid for sin so death doesn't have any right over any human being any longer if death operates it's an illegal operation All right, that is what God says. Don't perpetrate what is abolished. We are not saying that people will not die until until Christ comes. People may so fall innocent victims to death. But you, the child of God, who, especially in a ministry like ours, who are preparing the people ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't perpetrate death because it has been abolished. rather promote life and immortality because that is the way to go are you getting my message all right i was going to read first corinthians 15 verses 25 and 26 scripture says for he must reign talking about jesus and here it's a reference to the millennial reign or the thousand year reign of christ when we go to heaven according to scripture We will come back to the earth about seven years after with Jesus and the holy angels and set up our headquarters in literal Jerusalem. Okay? Jerusalem will be our headquarters and then all the saints will be posted to the various nations to reign with Christ. Can you imagine? Over the natural people who will enter the millennium for a thousand long years. At that time, Satan will be bound by an angel and cast into the bottomless pit. So... Christ will reign. He says, He must reign till He has put all enemies under His feet. That's one of the reasons for the thousand-year reign. He is coming to put all enemies under His feet. Then verse 26 says, The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Death has been abolished. It has not yet been destroyed. The destruction here has to do with being cast into the everlasting fire according to scripture at the end of the thousand year reign these are things I've already shared in the last three years especially in 2018 I shared all these things you can go back to the messages on podcasts even on YouTube and on Facebook they are all there what I said was that at the end of the thousand year reign hell and death will give up the dead in them all those who have died and didn't go to heaven all those who have died and didn't die in the Lord who are locked up in hell who are suffering under the torments of demons and of Satan in hell hell will give up the dead in them they will all be vomited out as it were and they will all appear before the white throne judgment to come and find out whether their names are in the book of life or not and since their names will not be found in the book of life you see, God is a just God. He wouldn't just cast you into everlasting imprisonment without, as it were, trial. Hell is not the final place. Hell is a cell. When you are locked up in cell, you must be tried after trial. If you are convicted and you are found guilty, then you are cast into everlasting imprisonment. That is exactly what God is also going to do. So all those who are in hell, they are, as it were, in cell. And you know, in cell sometimes you find the big brothers you know, punishing those who are new entrants likewise, the demons who also finally be cast into the everlasting fire, find themselves as big brothers, so when human souls who are not destined for hell, find themselves in hell these demons are punishing them brutalizing them, they are in darkness, they are are experiencing fire but that is only the beginning think about it think about it. That is only the beginning. Because at the end of the day, even those demons plus Satan himself, all of them will be cast into the everlasting fire. Satan will be the third. The first person to go into the everlasting fire, even before the millennium starts, is the Antichrist and his false prophet, according to the scripture. And then after the millennium, Satan will be the third. And then everybody will appear before the white throne judgment, those who were found in hell. I believe including those who will live in the millennium but didn't believe in Christ. Yeah. I can I can give that details later because you will find out that at the end of the millennium Satan will be loose for a season. And Bible says he will go to the four quarters of the earth, Gog Magog. If you check the the modern map, he is referring to areas like Iran, Iraq, Turkey. And he will deceive all these souls who live in the millennium or who will live in the millennium, you will deceive them. That tells you the power of Satan. His power is deception. People who have lived with Christ for thousand years will still be deceived. The Bible says their number is as the sand of the seashore, innumerable. And they will march to the camp of the saints in Jerusalem. And fire will come from heaven and consume all of them. So all these people including those who have been in hell already will appear before the white throne judgment and then the justice demands that god will not try them without i mean god will not cast them into the everlasting fire without trial so come and just justify why you must be included in the kingdom in the world to come so the books will be open and the book of life will be open the book of life once you are born into this world your name is already written in that book but once you exit this earth without christ your name is deleted So once you find yourself in hell, automatically your name is deleted. So you will be given the opportunity to come and find out. Is your name there? Just like we do with the, you know, voters register. You come and find out. Is your name there? If your name is not there, is it God who calls it? No. You didn't have any relationship with Jesus. You didn't have any relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So you, you go into the everlasting fire. And then the last but one person to be cast into the everlasting fire is hell. And then the last person to be cast into the everlasting fire is death. So death is an enemy that will be destroyed. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So that tells you that God is not in, in communication with death. God sees death as a rebel, as an enemy that will be destroyed. Death is has been abolished but death is still operating taking innocent souls and until God's people see the ministry the way God wants us to see it and stop perpetrating death which has been abolished we will keep giving people innocently to death but there must come a generation who will say no no no, no. this is not the way to go it is not compulsory I'll show you a scripture next week. It's not compulsory that everybody must die before you get to heaven. It's not compulsory. There must come a generation of people who are saying that instead of going through death, we must go through life. Because God's order of taking us from here to heaven is life. And those verses of scripture will come under the next theme titled, Promote life and immortality. But today, let me show you a scripture. Somebody may be asking. So what about that scripture that says that it is appointed unto man once to die? And I just say, live on Facebook, that that is a categorical lie. Never. And I mean never. I will read from the New King James Version of the Bible and I also read from the King James Version of the Bible and you will discover that scripture has never said that it is appointed unto man once to die. And listen, when you're working with God, especially as you are growing, be careful how you quote God. If God puts a comma and you put a full stop, you will put yourself into trouble. If God puts a semicolon and you now put a full stop, you will put yourself into trouble. So when you are reading scripture, be mindful of the punctuation mark. Don't just quote it because you heard others preaching. I know a lot of well meaning preachers. These are big fathers, both in Ghana as well as worldwide, who have perpetrated this whole concept of death as though everybody must die before they get to heaven. But see, as we move to the fourth year as a ministry, the Lord says that emphasize this thing more because it is true that people will die. But that's not God's method. Death is only operating illegally, taking people innocently. These are innocent victims who must not necessarily die there's a way out. The way out from this world is not necessarily through death. It is through life. I will show you a scripture like Colossians chapter 3 verse 4. Next week, which talks about when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall you appear with him in glory. I will show you another scripture next week in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 51. which says, Behold, I show you a mystery that we shall not all sleep. So what are you talking about? I think that God is warning me and warning everybody who cares to listen that One of these days, when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, we shall all give account of what we did with the scriptures. Because the scriptures are a double-edged sword. The word of God is a double-edged sword. It will cut here and it will cut there. The things you are preaching, mind you, you're going to give account. If God says, stop perpetrating what has been abolished, and you keep on perpetrating it, that's up to you. You will give account. But I came here as a messenger building on the foundation God has given us for the last 3 years that it is time for us to stop perpetrating what has been abolished rather we should promote life and immortality because that is what Jesus Christ has brought to us through the gospel the gospel is supposed to promote life and immortality not promote death All right. so let me show you that scripture where people have misquoted over the years over the centuries and until there's a revolution and by revolution I mean a forceful turn around from the way we have taught this thing to how we ought to teach it people will still go through death innocently and yet that's not God's wish for you and me Hebrews chapter 9 is a scripture Hebrews chapter 9 alright Karabashon telemelendis i read from the New King James Version and i also read from the King James. And kindly take note of the punctuation mark because everyone, he said, not a dot nor title shall pass away. God's word, eh? Everything is important. That is why God is mindful of which translation that you use. Because some translations have also been diluted. So diluted that you don't even know the head or the tail. <clears throat> Hebrews 9, 27. You can read the whole of Hebrews chapter 9. He was talking about the fact that men don't die several times. You know, the priests under the old covenant will offer sacrifice after sacrifice, year after year. And Christ, as a perfect sacrifice, also offered himself once. And so he died once. And men don't die several times. So since he died once, and that was enough for the sacrifice. That was the argument in Hebrews chapter 9. And then when you go to verse 27, he said, And as it is appointed for men to die once, comma, it's not full stop. So I said, don't put full stop where God has put comma, because you will put yourself into trouble. That is why Apostle James warned and said that not many of us should become teachers because we shall, we, shall, we shall face greater condemnation. If you make yourself a teacher of what God has not taught you, you are in trouble. You may appeal to the senses of men, but God may not be pleased with you. Are you there? Alright, what I'm teaching you, I know one day, will be the very thing that will judge me. So I'm mindful of what I'm communicating. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment, another, comma, no full stop. Verse 28 is the continuation. So Christ was offered once, to bear the sins of many. In the New King James, they put full stop after many. But you see it in the King James. It's not even like that. That's original. So Christ, but at least you have seen from verse 27 into 28 that there is no full stop until the word many. Until after the word many. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Full stop here. Then he said, to those... I'm talking to those people right now. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. In other words, when he appears the second time, he's not coming to deal with sin. when he appeared the first time he came and dealt with sin. But the second time he is appearing to consummate our salvation. Mind you, we are saving our spirits. When we believe the gospel and confess Jesus as our Lord. We are being saved in our souls through the renewing of our minds. But ultimately, we shall be saved in our physical bodies. I'll share some of those scriptures next week as well. When I preach on, promote life and immortality. So, that is what Jesus Christ is coming for. To consummate our salvation in our physical bodies. He shall appear the second time apart from sin. The King James says, without sin for salvation. not coming to deal with sin he is coming to consummate our salvation so please now let's go back to the scripture where is it written in the bible i have quoted mine you also quote where it is written that it is appointed for men to die once and romans 34 will tell you let god be true but every man a liar it doesn't matter which man preach whatever under which inspiration if God didn't say it and that man said it, that man is a liar. Let God be true. In this end time, it's going to be tough because it's not about how well known somebody is. It's about how well known the word of God is. God has exalted his word above all his name. And we better take, you know, give give. Good attention or serious attention to what how, what, how God communicates, because God's communication is not man's communication. If God says, "And just as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment," and now you now quote it, "It is appointed unto man to die once," you are wrong, sir. You are wrong, madam. You are wrong. God is telling you and me this morning. Don't perpetrate what is abolished. He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. Don't perpetrate what he has abolished. Yes, until he comes. Some may suffer victims innocently to death because death is operating illegally. Death knows. It's just like the way people operate. Illegal operations are always undercover. Death strikes when people are not aware. Because he is illegal. He used to reign until Christ came. But when Christ came, he took the keys. You remember, when Jesus Christ went to hell, Bible says he took the keys of death and of hell. So the keys of death are in the hands of Jesus, no longer in the hands of death. So death is going to be destroyed, but he has been left around. And he's just walking about illegally bullying people and squeezing people out of their bodies. That's how people die. When When death squeezes you, your spirit is separated from your physical body and the worst of it is when you don't have any relationship with Jesus, then your spirit is eternally separated from God into hell, and from hell to the everlasting fire. Think about it. Death is wicked. It's an enemy, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So don't perpetrate what is abolished. Okay, let me read from the King James, in case you are not convinced. It's even better in the King James. Hebrews chapter 9 Verses twenty-seven and twenty-eight, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, comma. Here I didn't find full stop. So please bring your version where they have put full stop, and we will we'll, we'll, we'll challenge the translators that they are wrong. Maybe you are quoting from a translation where there's a full stop, but I didn't find that in the New King James, not the King James, who which are you know original translations particularly the King James. And as it is appointed unto men, once to die, comma, but after this, the judgment, colon. In the case of the King James, it's colon. The new King James put, comma after judgment. But here, colon. Colon means that what follows is a continuation. It's actually an expansion. It is to expound on what has already been communicated. So when you say colon, it's not full stop. Verse 20, it says, So Christ was... Once offered to bear the sins of many. See, in the King James, he didn't put full stop after many. In the New King James, there was full stop after many. But in the King James, it is semicolon. And I've taught over and over that semicolon, the difference between semicolon and colon is that semicolon is a long pause. Whilst colon is a short pause. But whichever way there is a pause, it's not a full stop. Pause means that it's like there's a break. I wanted to just pause and listen to the next thing. So you go, you don't find any full stop in the King James until the last sentence. It's either comma or colon or semicolon. And these things were not put there for fun. They were put there because that is how God wants to communicate to his people. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, semicolon. And unto them that look for him, Karabashatah. This is the generation that is looking for everything except for Christ and he's coming. This is a generation that is looking for everything except crying. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Unto them. Christ is not going to appear to everybody just because you are a child of God. Please take note. It's unto them that look for him. Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Full stop. That's where the full stop is. So I, I put a challenge out there To any preacher Any man of God Any woman of God Any child of God Anybody who has preached scripture And I said that It is appointed unto man Once to die And has put full stop I want to tell you You are a liar God Let God be true Yeah It's a warning The message I'm bringing Is a warning actually he says, don't. If God says, don't do something and you do it, you know what it means. That's why I'm not communicating just to International Prayer resort ministers' members, but I'm communicating to the entire body of Christ. Even our fathers in the Lord, inclusive. Because some of our fathers also preach the same thing. And because it's coming from a father figure, you will buy it and believe that, okay, he said it's appointed on the month to die, so I'm expecting death. You hear somebody just... Immediately after God gave me this message, I just turned to my WhatsApp page and I saw somebody's status, okay? I won't mention the person's name. The person that put on his status, he said, "God, I have two wishes before I die." Quickly, I just started I said, "Look at look at this ignorant boy. I have two wishes before I die." Automatically, you have used your tongue to invite death. Is it compulsory that you must die before you go to heaven? Who said so? When I I preach on promote life and immortality, you understand me better. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that what God says we should not do, let's stop doing it. This is an end time prophetic church with the passion to help this generation walk with God and prepare a people ready, not for death, but ready for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not ready for death. And yet if death, peradventure illegally takes any child of God who is ready away glory be to God is absent from the body and present with the Lord nothing is lost you remember I've said over and over how Jesus even showed Peter by what death he will glorify God so God is not ashamed if a believer dies in fact the death of the sin is is actually Bible says that it is his delight not because God delights in death, He knows death is operating illegally, but that is what God is longing for. Come to me, He knows that the things that we go through here, they are just mundane things. They are things that they are things that don't give any excitement to the soul. God knows the, the pain. Bible says He is not, you know, indifferent to the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what we go through, the, the kind of toil people go through. Some people are born without limbs. Some people are born without eyes. Some people are born without some body parts. Others go through all kinds of hardship whilst pursuing God and the things of God. The things that we we harass ourselves and go through in this life, that is not God's dream for his children. He has something better. He has something more glorious. He has something more beautiful. And it is reserved in heaven. He says blessed are you i'm quoting for, for instance matthew 5 verse 11 and 12 he said blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake he said rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven in heaven there is a great reward so god is not interested in we settling here forever but that is not to say that if that is the case then we should die so we go to heaven rather he wants us to begin to promote life and immortality Prepare a people who are ready. It is to those who are ready unto them that look for him. You cannot say you are ready if you are not looking for him. If you are looking for everything but you are not looking for Jesus, you are looking for nothing. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time so that indeed the rapture will take some believers unawares because they are looking for everything but not Jesus. It is Jesus in my soul. It is Jesus in my soul. When you get up and your longing is for Jesus, your appetite is for Jesus. As the deer pants after the water brook, so, mine, so long after you, Lord. I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to just rest in your arms. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hands. Lay back against you and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. Oh my God. You see, the point is that whether here or in heaven, you are connected. And you want to be where your Lord is. You want you long for Him whilst pursuing the gospel, preaching the gospel, imparting the gospel, bringing life and immortality to others. You are so longing for Him. You are a pilgrim. You are making progress. You are not settling here. That's what God wants for His children. But don't say that, oh... Lord, let me die so I can come to heaven. Apostle Paul made that statement. He said that, look, I am torn between two opinions. To depart and be with the Lord, which is far better. And he was talking about death. But to stay, he said, it's more profitable for you. The reason why we are here, if your life, your existence here on, on earth is not profitable for the kingdom and for the body of Christ and for others who are here to join the kingdom, then that is when You are are just wasting time and wasting your life. Your life must count, child of God. We are not, we don't have much time. We are rounding up time. Time is taking to a halt. The age of time is drawing to a close. And I hear, like John the Baptist, who cried in the wilderness. I hear the Lord say, cry aloud and tell my people, Time is short. Time is no more. Time is grinding to a halt. Tell my people that I'm coming soon. I'm coming for a people who are ready. Who are expectant. Who long to see me. But those who are just living indifferently will be taken on our He's coming back. Jesus Christ, child of God, he's coming back. But he's, he's coming back for those who look for him next week all the scriptures i want to share today the the lord just cuts them off from the two scriptures or the three scriptures i've shared and they will go into promote life and immortality next week another scripture i'll show you will be philippians chapter 3 verse 20 you will discover from all these scriptures maybe let me just read it to you because i wrote them down as my message however the lord just gave me two portions so let you can write down philippians chapter 3 verse 20 to 21 Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 55. In case you didn't get it, let me read it again. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 51 to 55. All these scriptures were part of my message. I didn't have a title. But thank God, he gave me a title for today. He says, don't promote what is abolished. Next week, part two will be promote, or rather don't perpetrate what is abolished. Don't perpetrate what is abolished. Then, next week will be promote life and immortality. I pray for you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray. In case you have never heard me preach before, this is my passion. This is my dream. I wanted to go and look for the message on my podcast, Samuel S. L. S. Podcast, The Believer's Hope. And then you understand why my passion is. That is what God has given me to tell this generation. If I have nothing else to do than to preach this message till He comes, glory be to God. Because I can see that He is coming. Yes, He is coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle or any certain. He's coming for a holy church. He said, Be ye holy, for I'm holy. You will discover in 1 John 3 next week that it is that passion to see the Lord that will make people live holy. When people are not living holy, it's simply because they are not longing to see His coming or they are not longing for the Lord. Oh, what a Savior. Lift your hands and bless the Lord.